Hello and welcome to the High, Wide and Handsome podcast, episode 41, featuring Bilo. Bilo is predominantly on Twitter and the forum, and he, yeah, a very interesting story. Kind of started out, struggled, then turned it around and found a house deposit out of his football index account, and uh, was pretty much full-time for quite a while, and we, we talked about that, plus a lot of current events on football index in this episode. It's a weird time, just like I said last week, it's still very quiet, you know, all just media, no PB, a lot of uncertainty at the moment, and I just hope you are all keeping well, um, and personally you haven't been affected too harshly, financially, or emotionally, or even just your, your own personal health. Um, yeah, I hope you are all alright. The There has been a bit of a resurgence in the platform, a mid-podcast here is actually the first time I'd seen my port and solid greens on the app anyway for some time, I was a bit excited. Um, so yeah, look forward to that. And last thing, I suppose, I just need to give a shout out to the sponsors, Footstock. Footstock are doing really well in this kind of off time, and they're really, I suppose, changing our plans and flowing with the situation. Uh, and they're coping very well. They've got some cracking virtual things going on online where you can win cards. And I actually won myself an out Harry Maguire by correctly predicting the score in a United game, so a virtual United game. So go out and check them out on Twitter. And uh, if you sign up, please do so through the link in my description. I get something if you use that um, as I'm an affiliate. So I'd really appreciate if you signed up with that link. Even just sign up. And that means that if you ever if you ever want to use Foodstock, I'll get something out of it. And I think when you sign up, you get you get like double cards in your first pack. And you get a fiver free cash balance. And free player cards and things to play with to get to know the platform now. Albeit... You won't be able to use them in tournaments for a wee while, but you know you may as well sign up and get to know what it's all about. Um, but look, other than that, I think we'll go with the podcast again. I just really, my thoughts are with you all. I hope you are all doing all right, and um, yeah, thank you so much for supporting the podcast. Okay, and welcome to Bilo. Bilo, how are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for reaching out and saying you wanted to come on the podcast. No it's good that we're finally getting it happening. Yeah, I'm excited to get get going with it and uh, get chatting about Football Index. Absolutely. For everyone listening, I actually don't know how much you can maybe tell me, Bilo, what you can hear, but I've got the window open because it's absolutely, like, the sun is unbelievable. And you can probably hear people cutting their grass and kids playing and stuff, which is kind of nice, but... I know it's probably not nice from a podcast listener perspective, but you're just going to have to deal with it because it's fucking roasting in this little room. I suppose the only place to start is your football index journey. Do you know, like, where, where did you start? When did you first join the platform? And I suppose any highs or lows along the way. There's some substantial stuff we'll end up talking about in that journey, but just a brief outline first. Yeah, so I was uh, big into Twitter um, about 18 months ago, and I saw a few of these tweets popping up about football index and uh, a few of these success stories and I thought oh yeah it's, it's maybe another one of those schemes so I, I compared it at first to one of those sort of like forex traders you always see on like Instagram flexing the money and saying look at how well I'm doing all you need is a thousand pounds there two thousand pounds there to get signed up and follow my trades and all that so I, I shoved it to one side and then somebody reached out to me and said you should give it a go you, you like football um, so I did, and I, I, I think I deposited £200 at, at, start, at, the, at the very start, and yeah, um, I couldn't really get 
to grips with it. I didn't really understand the market entirely. It was quite complicated for somebody who was more of a casual gambler to, to go into the investing side. It was it was probably too much too soon and I didn't read into it too much. So I, I instantly lost a fair bit of money. Um, but yeah, from that, from that point onwards, I started to learn it a lot more, speak to the right sort of people, join the community, join the forum. And all of a sudden things just, just took off a few months later down the line after, uh, almost quitting the, quitting the, uh, the index completely. Mm, Yeah. It's crazy. Like the, I suppose how resilient you would have had to be to stick around. I, it's one of those that when I was talking to Stephen Goldstein uh, a few weeks back, he was sort of saying, like, maybe you just don't hear about the losers. And I wonder how many people listen who actually are in massive losses or, or debt. They have to exist, but you don't see that plastered all over Twitter. So I suppose that almost compounds the the, fe- the ill feeling when it happens to you. If you are down when you first sign up, you're probably thinking, geez, everyone's winning and I'm doing shit. Maybe I should leave. Maybe it's me. But I'm sure there are a good few out there who are down. Well, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I was never one to, to sort of shy away from the losses as well, because one of my main um, my main premium holds, you could say, was Paul Pogba. And I bought him at his very, very peak, uh, I think eight around £8, pounds, um, just after share split. And it was when he was linked to Real Madrid suddenly afterwards, he was injured all the time, and he just nosedived to around about £6. And I invested a huge amount of my portfolio into Pogba because I thought a summer of... of Obviously, media, uh, but but the the losses in in terms of capital appreciation strongly outweighed the amount of dividends that it was bringing in. So it, it became a time where my portfolio was seriously seriously red, and I was asking around, saying, "What do I do? Do I sell for a loss? Do I do I wait it out?" And and yeah, ultimately, it got to the point where I was just like, "Right, I really need to think about this because I I can't have this sort of money tied up in a in an investment scheme when I've got bills to pay. I've got food to buy i've got i've got things to, to do i've got i want to go traveling and all the rest of it so yeah i, I was absolutely struggling and and uh i used to speak about it often on the timeline and people would say oh it's great respect for putting that out there that you're in loss and everything stay, stay strong it's going to get better but it took a long long time before it did get better but when it finally did it just went one way and it just didn't really stop mm. and then tell us then what like what what I suppose you've said like you became more active in the community and the forum and learning and stuff. Like what were your like what really helped you? Do you know what I mean? Don't be afraid to plug anything or anyone. I don't really care. Um like what what helped you? If if you were listening now, what would you like and you weren't really interacting with the community or listening or I don't know, watching videos that you should be, what would you recommend someone does to learn the ropes? Um there was a lot of uh, individuals that I could definitely thank there'd be far too many for me to do it individually but a few that stood out to me were uh football index panda i think sporting panda he's known as um on, on twitter um i was in a, in a group chat with him and a couple of other people and some of the advice that he gave saying look follow trends don't just tr- try and buy the best player or try and find the next big big thing or everything um know when to sell that was a big deal as well because obviously it's, it's so easy to get caught up in all the green and just seeing that oh you, your player's in heavy profit but you know for a fact that you have to to value that player to, to continue to invest in them if you look at a player um that you bought for let's say a pound a share and he's now two pound a share you have to sit back and say would i still buy him at that price and if the answer is no then why do you still hold him so yeah so ultimately it, it was it's about learning when to sell and when when not to sell ultimately and that's where um, I also joined Index Gain, and I, um, 
I'm not sure if that's a, a big plug for or if I'm allowed to do that. But yeah, index game. No, mate, honestly, say whatever you want. Tell, like, tell them about Fig if you want. Like, yeah, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> do whatever you want. Fig was another a, a great a great help as well uh, in the community. But ultimately, it was just it was just Twitter, Twitter and forums, and just following people's advice, following, looking into people's tweets, making friends. There's there's endless amount of followers and, and new people that I follow that I've spoken to um, that have helped me along the way and uh, just basically yeah learning the market how it works uh, pb dividends what makes a player valuable everything like that every little thing contributes to a player's value and and that cannot be underestimated it's crazy the amount of things that i actually do it's a quest i did like last night it was completely off the cuff and unscheduled just on youtube i did like a youtube live thing where i just sat and sat and had like two or three cans and yeah. chatted there was about 20 people there just firing questions my stuff was a bit of crack but um, I think I might try and do it a bit more often, more scheduled as opposed to the actual videos because I find it much easier and there's less editing and bullshit involved. So yeah. it's easier. But one of the questions asked is like, how do you value a player? And it's like, Jesus, okay, where do I begin? Yeah, what a question. Everything, like there's anything that ever happens on any sort of level affects value of a player. And <laughs> that's such an amb- ambiguous answer, but it's like, look, Something as subtle, and this might sound like bullshit at most, but like something as subtle as the likes of Jamie Carragher or someone saying on their podcast that, let's say, fucking Harvey Elliott, he's going to be a superstar. That that that's kind of message that, that even if the person isn't fully listening or agrees, that kind of subliminal messaging or just that that sort of message going into the brain, and then you hear it somewhere else, and then you hear something about someone else there, and then someone else. One of your mates on the pub says, oh, I've seen him live, he's shit. He's really small and weak, blah, blah, blah. Like, these little things all contribute to the values of players. The kind of sentiment is what I'm getting at. The sentiment is fucking massive, and it's not tangible. That That's the that's the hardest part about valuing a player for me. It's that the sentiment drives the prices so hard, and a lot of people hate when people say sentiment on, on Twitter or whatever. But it's true, there's no other way to say it, because, like, as I say, it's just intangible. You can't look at the data and the numbers about sentiment and about like where the community's heads are at. And that's why there's players who will score a goal and they'll go up 20p and there's players who score a goal and they'll drop 3p. It's all, it's it's crazy. I just think that's the hardest bit of value in a player for me. Because obviously stats and age and stuff like that and dividend yields, like they're all very easy to see factually and actually maybe work out a rough value with. But it's the stuff you can't see or maybe write down that makes valuing players so hard. Does yeah, that make sense? Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. It's it's as simple as, obviously, one of the things that I strongly believe in is, is two of the most expensive words in the English, uh, in, in English football language is, is young and English. Um, if you're young and English, you, you're pretty much a safe bet. I, you can see players on, on the timeline, on the ticker, um, people buying 300 times a share of this young English player who's never really... I remember one that, that came to light not too long back. Um he plays for West Brom. I can't quite remember his name. Is it Raheem Harper? I think he's made maybe four, four or five first team appearances this season for West Brom. He's more of a fringe player, but he's young. He's English, and he's bound to be in a PB league if West Brom make it. And I, I think I would seem to remember him shooting up about twenty pence in a single day because he got like a, a ten minute sub cameo at the end of a game, and and there was a bit of hype around a couple of dribbles that he'd done, and oh, these he looks like a good young talent and all the rest of it. And suddenly now you've got money coming out of like solid pb holds going into players like that just off the back of like a 10 minute cameo and you sometimes sit there and think what is going on but at the same time you can completely understand it because that's where the hype comes and that's where the value comes in a player yeah 
It's it's insane. I, like valuing a player. I know this again. This is when I was saying to you beforehand. Like we'll go off on tangents. I mean, we haven't even touched on any of the questions or things. <laughs> yeah. But but valuing a player is such a hard thing for people to get their head around. And I think something I was doing on the YouTube kind of channel last night, um, which I think's really good. And it's, I think it's actually very very good for people to get into the habit of trying to do. If you've a mate who's into FI, we'll try it now for the crack. Right? It's it's trying to value a player just off the top of your head, if I shout his name at you, right? Okay. So, you know, because if you do a few of these, and if you were doing this regularly, I have a mate who we kind of send each other a message on, like a wee voice message on WhatsApp every so often, and like with just a player's name, right? what do you think he is? And then the person will come back and explain their reasoning and why they think it's this price, and if they've seen his price before and what's happened since and where they think he's at now. But it kind of helps you get your head around the market. I, I do think it's a good, it's a very small thing, but I think it's good. Angel Gomez from Manchester United, just because it's, it's on the he's on the media rankings today. Angel Gomez, okay. Um, if I was to guess, I'd say roughly one eighty-five, pushing maybe two pounds. But I'm not entirely sure. I, I I'm not interested in Angel Gomez as a hold, but I can understand the, the the reason why somebody would want to hold Gomez as a Manchester United youngster and all the rest of it. It's the same with Tahith Chong. I think that they've not quite shown enough yet to prove that they're going to be good enough for for first team football, but. The fact that they play for Manchester United, which is, is is a media a media godsend if your player is a Man United player often, um, as you've seen with Pogba and likely you've seen with Sancho's rise as well, um, with him being linked to Manchester United. You can understand just for media appeal, a player is valuable instantly if you play for one of the big four. It's it's as simple as that, especially if they're young and especially if they're on the on the on the fringe of uh, making the squad. So yeah, I can understand that. What is his price? So for everyone listening at home, have a price in your head and see how close you are. One ninety four. So you nailed it. Yeah, I thought I assume so. Yeah, I can understand it though. A hundred percent. Yeah, I can understand it. There's like it's funny because there's one like I would never, I wouldn't have had a clue at guessing his price because I don't, I have never had any interest in him. I think a lot of the players you that you know the price of really well are ones that you've either held, thought about buying, or that are obviously really like top two hundred players you see all the time. Uh, someone else who pops up, Emerson from Chelsea. Right, I I wanted to invest in Emerson last last summer, and I thought he was fairly cheap with a new manager coming in, and he's the left back, right? Is he is he the the sub left back? Well, I knew that that left back was a, a position where if somebody could just grab that position by the balls and take it as their own, then that there could be some serious value there, as you've seen with a lot of the the flying fullbacks. And Emerson is one of those. I'd say roughly now he would be sub one pound, but I think he did have a rise back end of. Was it around Christmas time? He had a decent rise where he, he got a few games. Um, I'm pretty sure he got an assist or two. Um, but I'm guessing he's settled back down now at roughly, I'd say around 85, maybe 80, 88, something like that, 88 pence. But yeah, he, he's... You've nailed it. Sorry, I jumped in. 86p. 86. And do you know what? Just as a talking point there, I do not hold Emerson. I held 300 of them at the start of the season. Because... Yeah, me too. From a fantasy football perspective, he was like the highest for XG for defenders and he was having shots every game and he was getting forward. But then this whole rotation thing started happening and he became a disaster of a hold. But do you know what? When I look at him, I think he's not he's not young, but he's like, what, 26? He's not old either. He is the flying fullback type mold. I could see him this summer fucking off to Italy. And if he gets picked up by one of the half-decent teams in Italy, he could become like a, a relatively decent fullback, you yeah. know, in terms of PB scoring. Absolutely. Like who, 
what's who else is sort of in the Italian leagues? Like there's Gosens, he's a left back, same age, good for PB ish, you know, kind of getting forward. He's one oh four. I mean, do you know what? I might have, I, yeah, I might have found next someone who I'm going to investigate. But um, I don't, I th- again, I don't really want to pump anyone too hard. Yeah, that, that's my problem too. I don't really want to pump anyone. See, currently I don't have many players in my portfolio. I've I've uh, I fine tuned it down to a, a fine out number. That I'm fairly happy with now, especially with the ongoing drama of all the the virus and all the rest mm. of it. And uh, it's it's pretty much stayed the same. But yeah, another example would be I. See, a, a lot of the time I go to watch games and, and whilst I'm there, I will try and highlight a few players that I think maybe uh, have not quite got the value, um, that, that are not quite worth the value on the index. So I went to watch, just, just for a bit of fun, I went to watch Manchester City versus Southampton in the Carabao Cup earlier on this season. I roughly say it was maybe November time. And Angelino was, was named uh, in the squad at about seven o'clock. When the when the teams came out and I thought Angelino, yeah, yeah, I remember him. He was over in Holland. I think it was at PSV or Ajax. One of those. I think it was PSV. Um, and he was on the fringe of obviously he was third choice left back behind Mendy and Zinchenko. But I saw Angelino as as a potential breakthrough player at Manchester City um, because he had all the talent in the world. And I went to watch him that night. I thought if he impresses me tonight, I'm going to just invest a little bit of money into him and see see if he gets a few appearances for City. And he did. And I think I invested about a thousand shares. Um, at about 78, 80 pence a share. And he had the disaster show against Liverpool, which was like his big time to shine. And he, he really flopped. He wasn't great. He was at fault for, I think, two of the goals. I think he did get a, an assist late on in the game. But yeah, he was at fault for two of the goals. So he he, he nosedived a little bit after that. And I, I jumped out at him at about 85 pence. I was still relatively happy with the, the slight profit. But I thought, yeah, it was worth a go. But that's probably it now. Mendy will come back in. Zinchenko's back from injury. And all of a sudden, he's third choice again. But now, last minute transfer dealing, he heads off to Leipzig, and he starts at Leipzig like unbelievably in this flying fullback role. And he he peaks now. I think he's around like, 150, 160. I actually hold us not 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 a massive amount, but maybe. But honestly, portfolio, like unbelievable. I bought him whenever I seen was it the first leg with Leipzig and Spurs? Oh yeah, it was outstanding um, that game. I was watching the game live and. Like not live as in I was there live on TV and I just seen him and he looked so excited and attacking and I yeah, looked at the post early on, and yeah. Like, yeah. So fuck it. So I just piled the cash balance into him and he rose a significant amount, but he's dropped back there with coronavirus and all I'm about yeah, breaking. Yeah, yeah, um but yeah, it'll be interesting to see um like the likes of Emerson what happens there. Like, that, I think he's yeah. one of those players. Like, again, here we go pumping Emerson. Like, and I actually might buy him before this podcast goes out. I don't know if I will, but it's just a disclaimer for people listening. I don't think I'm blindly pumping away here and going to try to do the sly. And if I look at him and I actually like him, I, I might get him. So be aware of that. Um, but I mean, I think he's one of those players that if he leaves the Premier League, he actually goes up in price. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah, you, you could pinpoint a few players that, that are like that, uh, 100%. But yeah, um, see, a flying fullback is a, is a position where I've tried to find value often. So one of my biggest holds was uh, was Carvajal for a long time. Um, I've I've sold him sold up now, um, even though he's been really good for PB and obviously with, with the Euros on what should have been the Euros on the horizon, he would have started for Spain. He would have been a great hole for Spain. But yeah, um, I think flying fullback is obviously you've seen the rise of Alexander Arnold, but he's in a league of his own. He's unbelievable, and you can see similar rises coming with with Reece James as well, um, the young English fullbacks. Um, Brandon Williams had a slight rise; he's dropped back down again. 
But yeah, it, the, the flying fullback can be so valuable. And uh, if you pick the right one, then you never know. Look at Angelino's rise. He, he rose almost 100% in about, what, best part of three or four weeks. Um, so yeah, anything can happen. They just suit the matrix so well compared Absolutely. to centre-backs at the minute. I would be, it's something I would really be kind of, a wee bit worried about because I obviously have Angelino. There's probably another fullback somewhere in my port I have, and I have a big enough hole, like my third biggest hole now is Trent. I've bought him kind of in this dip. Um, I've been waiting to get back on him for so long and just fucking, yeah, took this opportunity with the coronavirus dip. But I am just afraid that they're going to nerf crossing a little bit in some dividend review. Now, I don't know if they will. I think there will be absolute uproar, but, I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me. I think that would really negatively affect someone like Trans Price. Yeah, it would make make complete sense, wouldn't it? Um, for a player's price, some, someone like Trent, someone like uh, see, I see a lot of the PB gods currently. I think Kostic, who I think is a great hold. I don't personally hold him, but I think Kostic is another player who benefits a lot from the cross matrix um, PB point system. Yeah, it, it would be a very very touchy thing to to delve into. Would be to change the PB matrix and, and nerf crossing because it's become such a part now of PB holes. Mm. Um, See, I've thought about it. And what I think they would do is, I think to kind of keep both parties happy, if they were to change anything in the, the score matrix, I think it might be something to do with crossing. But I don't think they'll nerf it massively. And I think they will keep it, like, I don't know, instead of like, they'd have to still award attempted crosses because if they got rid of that, that would absolutely fuck everyone who's a big crosser. But if they still awarded them, but added like or added two per cross instead of three, and then one for the confirmed cross or something, I don't know what they could do because um, I don't actually have the exact table in front of me. But I think what they would do is like a happy medium. They would kind of nerf it 10%, but they wouldn't nerf it 50%, if that makes sense, the crossing yeah, aspect, sense. because that kind of shuts up people who are saying crossing's overpowered, but it also wouldn't take too much value away from little likes of Trent. It might mean he doesn't win seven, eight PBs a year. He only wins five or six. Do you know? I think that would be the kind of best of both worlds. It's the same with Kimmich, isn't it, at Bayern? I think Kimmich, obviously, is, is it's a, one of the hot topics currently on, on the index is will he be changed to midfielder? Will this change stay? What are the rest of it? Because he's a, he's a brilliant, brilliant PB hold. He's, he's actually been really unlucky to hold him this year. I don't personally hold him, even though I do believe that he's a great hold. Um, but he benefits from the crosses endlessly. Bayern are a great team going forward. They have the flying wing-backs with Alaba and, and Kimmich often at right-back, but Pavard's another one that gets forward as well. But yeah, if if Frosting was to be nerfed, they would have to absolutely nail it to prevent absolute uproar um, in the community. I, I'd expect a lot of backlash if they did nerf Crossing. Is Kimmich a big crosser of all? No, I wouldn't think in my head he is, but is he? He gets a lot of assists, doesn't he? Um, from from fullback, or I, I mean, it completes more passes than the most players in the Bundesliga. He's one of the great PB holds for for this season and last, and I think he will continue to be a great hold for this season, the, this season, and the next and the next. But yeah, he definitely gets a lot of assists. I think him and Lewandowski have have combined for for a goal probably into the double figures this season. Well. I'm looking there on index gain of the stats. He is a big enough cross of the ball, actually. There, six six point four four per game, two hundred thirty two crosses. So it's just I've never really held him, and that shows obviously by my lack of knowledge there. But he's down under four quid for the first time in a while. But he's only got five assists this season. Does he? Probably well, he, he, he still generates really strong PB scores, whether he gets assists or not. Um, Bayern are just a great team for the for holding on the index. I, I remember one of my well my 
my greatest ever hold, um, my greatest ever profit on a hold was Kingsley Coleman. I bought him uh, this time last year. Um, he was probably my, my first main real gamble on the index because obviously he'd had the, the injury worries. Um, he'd had a release an article, I think, on goal where he'd admitted that one more bad injury and that was it. He would retire from the game because he could no longer stand it, the, the rehab process, the, the effect it was having on his body. But yeah, I invested heavily into Coleman off the back of Bayern drawing Liverpool in the Champions League, I want to say quarterfinals, maybe the round of 16, it was one of those. And I thought if Bayern get through here against Liverpool and Coleman has a good game, he's going to rock it. And he was only about, I'd say roughly about £1.5 a share, something like that. So I invested heavily into Coleman at that point. Unfortunately for me, Liverpool beat Bayern and, and he, he dropped. So coinciding with Pogba's drop as well, Coleman was down, Pogba was down. And my portfolio was was absolutely in tatters. And I was like, what is going on here? I need to really, really change the way I, I trade. Anyway, I held Coleman and I, I topped up in times as well when he dropped down below a pound. I think he got to about 98 pence. I topped up a little bit more because I thought he's got all the talent in the world and all he needs is a run without injury and he's going to double up. Mm. And he absolutely excelled. He excelled for France in the Nations League where dividends became available. He won back-to-back dividends, I think, uh, for France and then for Bayern. Uh, so his price skyrocketed earlier on into into this season, and he he jumped over two pound. And I only jumped out of Coleman because of the injury that he sustained against Tottenham. Now I, I think I bought for his average buy price was about one pound five something like that, and I sold him for I think two pound thirteen. So I doubled my money on him, which was a great hold for me considering the amount of money I put into him. Um, but th- th- I checked Twitter. See, I was playing five side football at the time, and I checked Twitter and saw the screenshot of Coleman's injury. And his knee was like an angle that I've never quite seen before for a football. And I was like, that's it. It's just, that's it. His career's gone. He said one more bad injury and it's gone. And I thought, it's not a panic buy. It's not a panic sell. Sorry, I have to get out of him just in case he decides that's it. And he was back in the squad like four weeks later, which was unbelievable. It was like some sort of medical miracle. If you see the photographs of his knee against Spurs, I think he'd, he scored earlier on in the game and then he'd, he'd stretch to keep a ball in play. And his knee was like at a 45 degree angle. It was like bizarre. And I was like, that's it. His ACL's gone and that's it. He's going to be out for nine, 12 months. I've got to get rid of him. And his price plummeted overnight. And then it emerged the next day that he was he's expected to be back in training in four or five weeks. And I was like, what's going on there? And his price skyrocketed back again. And I was like, well, that's one of the lessons that you learn from trading. Do not panic sell. So, yeah, you live in your yeah. own sort of thing. But at the time, the photographs, I mean, you could see it yourself. I thought, that's it. But, yeah, he, he turned out to be a great, great hold, did Kingsley Coleman. And often that, that that's where the best holds come from. You just have to watch football. Another one's Moussa Diaby by Leverkusen. I watched him in a nil-nil draw against Mines earlier on this season. It just so happened to be on on the BT Sport. And I was like, who is this guy? He's outstanding. I'd heard of him before when he was at PSG. He'd come into Bayern's team and he was outstanding. He was, he was beating everybody for pace, the delightful balls in, just not getting finished. I was like, this guy will get a big PB score soon. And he was only about £1.13. I was like, he's got a great run of fixtures coming up. I invested heavily into, into Diaby and he, he was about £1.67, about six weeks later and I thought that is the most obvious rise that I've seen and it's just those explosive wingers those explosive fullbacks who can cross the ball beat beat a man find players in space and just do that little bit of magic that can can really boost a player's price on the index there's the there's these crazy players who do like that that's a huge thing I think whenever you're you're looking for like the next kind of value player it's find people who can hit peak scores once or twice a season that's all you need do you know 
Um, and I, I think a lot of them actually represent great value at the minute. I'm not going to name any, but do you know something actually amazing has just happened for everyone listening? As we record, I opened up the Football Index app to go in and check uh, Coleman's price. He's sitting at like 208. And as I did for the first time in weeks since this whole coronavirus thing happened, I'm all greens, baby. Yeah. Current seven day and 24 hours. Yeah. All greens. I'm up four, 4% for the week. What a fucking great week. Fantastic. Do you know, everything's bouncing back. I've just um, checked mine. I'm still down for the week, but I'm up in 24 hours, so I'm happy enough. <laughs> yeah, I'm up just over a percent in the last 24 hours, so it's, it's a good time. But look, we went on a 26-minute digression there, I believe. So <laughs> <laughs> it happens. We'll get into the kind of things I wanted to talk to you about, and then we'll go through some questions. So you said that there was a, for a long period last year, you were more or less full-time trading. Um, yeah. It was your main source of income. Like, what what did that entail? Were you like, were you very loose with it? And just when you say you were full time, was it just solely that it was the income you were that you had, or were you setting up with multiple screens and setting yourself almost like a working day? Or were there times you felt you needed to be doing it or on it? Like, were you prioritizing matches over, like treating it like work, or was it very casual? It, it you know something I absolutely loved uh, last year. Uh, I'd come into a, a bit of money where I, I felt like if I invest this right, it could make all the difference. And I, the, the long-term aim was for me to, to get enough to make a, uh, get a house deposit. Luckily I've, I've reached that goal now. Um, but yeah, this time last year I was like, right, if I take this seriously now, because obviously, as you remember, I spent the best part of two, two, nearly three months in, in the red. I was negative for such a long time. Um, and then all of a sudden, I think it was the, the announcement of the share split, um, Oh no! It was it was after that. I think I can't remember entirely what it was, but somebody uh, it, it just boosted the price of Pogba or something like that, and all of a sudden everything just just turned. It was like a, a momentum shift, and yeah, it got to the point where I was like, I was in the green for every every day, back to back to back to back, and it had not happened before. And I was like, right, okay, I might break even now. And once I did break even, I shot up. And then I, I was up again, and I was up 2%, and 3%, and 4%, and 5%. And I only had roughly, I'd say maybe 20 to 30 players in my port at the time. But it was just a, a great, great time to be on the index when everything was just just flying up. I can't remember what roughly timescale it was. I think it was the summer, though. Um, see, I usually find the best play, the best time to hold players is when there's no football. I, I feel like when you're watching football, that's when your players can, can go up and down, up and down. But when there's no football at all, often international breaks or anything like that, your players can suddenly just, just keep on rising and rising and rising just for the pure hype of it. Same with, with yeah, off-season, with, with, with pre-season. So, yeah, it, it came to a point where I was like, right, I need to not go out as much on the weekend. I need to take this seriously. I had mates saying, come play five-a-side football. I was like, no, I have to watch this game tonight because one of my players is playing and if he plays well, I'm going to have to invest more or if, if he plays badly or if he gets injured, I'm going to have to act upon it. Um so yeah, it absolutely got to a point where I was making enough to 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 pay the bills. Luckily, you can tell from from my accent, I live up north in a place called Doncaster, and it's not all that expensive to live up here. Your cost of living isn't as much obviously as it would be to live down in London. I could never afford to live in London off the back of football in it. But at the time, I was making enough per month to pay for my 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 uh, my rent and my bills and my food, and even to the point where I was allowed to to socialize and book trips away and go watch football in other countries and and things like that so yeah absolutely it it was a huge turning point because i was very very close to leaving the the platform off the back of the pogba drop 
and I just waited it out. And I just thought, what's the worst that could happen? I can't lose it all. Um, there's no way I can lose every penny. Obviously, with the index, it's not like a regular bet where you can you either win or you lose. The index is, is literally just investing. So just, just sit out and wait. And luckily, I stuck around. And by the, around September time, I was absolutely comfortably in the green. I was like, this is unbelievable. This is amazing. I should have done this sooner. You know, the, the, the regular things that you say when you realize that that if you'd have gone in sooner, you'd have made far more sort of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. It's like, how, how close were you to leaving at any one stage? Like, did, was there any day where you're like, fuck this, like I'm out? Or Yeah, it was the day that, um, I'm not sure if it was Raiola, but it strongly emerged that Pogba was going to go to Madrid. Um, I think he'd, he'd declared that he wasn't happy at United and, and he just nosedived, his price nosedived so much. Um, and I was looking at my port and it was just like, there's no salvaging this. Do I just cut my losses and, and, and save my money? Because this is getting to a point now where this money could be used elsewhere. This money could be put into investments that are far safer. Um, so I'm going onto Twitter every day, seeing all these success stories of people investing into these players that are skyrocketing day by day. And I'm just thinking, why is that not me? Why am I not like that? Why am I comparing myself to somebody else when instead I should have just focused on what I was doing? And instead I waited it out. I thought, right, I'll just put my phone down. I'll not watch any of the news for a few weeks and just see what happens. And then once I, uh, I got over the sort of addiction to, to checking losses and all the rest of it. Yeah, things just started to turn up and I started to invest into players that I wanted to invest in instead of just following the advice that I'd seen on timelines, like pump and dumps that often came about. And yeah, it, it, it just seemed to just take a, a really quick upturn. And um, yeah, luckily I stuck around. Mm. Absolutely, thank God. And then you got yourself a house deposit and you're all... You're all- <laughs> Here we are. So yeah. Um, yeah, so I think... At my lowest, I was probably down about 15%. Um, I'm not going to go into figures, but I was down about 15%, which which to me back then especially, I, I mean, even now, but back then especially, it was a lot of money. And I was like, people were like, oh, are you still doing your trading? I'm like, yeah. It's like, oh, show me your portfolio. I'm like, mm, no, I don't really want to. Because <laughs> it was the embarrassment of being like, yeah, I'm doing it and I'm enjoying it, but I'm really, really losing money here. And people like, my job was essentially to get other people to, to join up and be like, here, you should get involved in it. It's like, oh yeah, show me how much money you're making. I'm like, hey, funny story, I'm not making any money. Um, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> how could I convince people to join the investment when when obviously like I wasn't making anything myself? So it took a lot of luck, a lot of patience, um, meeting the right people on often on Twitter. Um, I've spent a lot of time getting to know other people and I've made a lot of good friends on the, in the community and I still, still very open to people. If people ever want to speak to me, they're more than welcome to. Um, yeah. So there's some really great people in the community who helped me out and said, look, I spent this amount of time in the red and if you wait it out, I bet you, you'll be in profit this time next year. And that's basically the outlook that I took. I thought if I'm, I don't need this money strictly yet. I could keep withdrawing little bits and bobs for, for uh, rent payments and all the rest of it, but I don't need this big chunk of money just yet. I don't need to buy anything. I'm not a materialistic person. I don't need a big fancy car or anything like that. So, yeah, I just literally sat and waited for, for like an upturn, and, and it came, luckily. So, yeah. I'm fucking – I'm gutted I bought my big fancy car about three months before <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, see, I, I have nothing of any value. I think the most – the most valuable thing I own is, is a TV that um, I, I put down entirely down to a football index. Obviously, the house is is, is obviously its its own thing. 
but yeah, I don't have anything of any worth. Any money that I get goes straight into the investments. And that's that's just the best way to do it, I think. A couple of things just to speak about kind of on the coronavirus malarkey. First one is, what's your opinion on the spreads at the minute? I understand them. 100% I understand them. I think it's a real shame for those people who who, um, who rely on their inv- if they put all their eggs in one basket, every penny they've got goes into the index. It's a real shame for those sort of people because obviously they still need to, to survive. And, and if they're having to sell their investments at a huge cut price, that's a real shame, especially those who have probably waited it out and been, been in the in the green for a long time. Then all of a sudden they're going to have to sell at a loss. But at the same time, I understand fully why the index did it, why Football Index did it um, to, to prevent the, the market from crashing, which I, I definitely think it would have been borderline had the spread stayed the same. Uh, I think a lot of people would have panic sold, and instead now we're seeing seeing the uh, the other the flip side to it. Where today, as we're recording, Jaden Sancho is approaching twelve pounds, which has never happened before. Um, the amount of money that's been spent today has been ridiculous, and if you compare it to other investments around the world, the FTSE 100 and 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 all the other investments that you see, yeah, it's 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 been a, a really really good decision. But obviously, it's a real shame for those people who who rely on on selling these players to to get by. Mm. I think like it's one of those that do you know what maybe it's opened people's eyes maybe people understand it better now I got a message from a random account like one of these accounts that was created very recently and I think he pretty much made the account to message me and a couple of other people asked this question and he was kind of asking this was just before the world kind of shot itself and he was like what happens if coronavirus does this and does that and everyone wants to take their money out of football index and football index basically is dying? How can football index pay out the money that's in there? Have they got 80 or 100 million or whatever the market cap is sitting in the bank? I was kind of saying, well, like, no, it wouldn't come to that. I was saying, like, I, I speculated at that time. I was saying, I think what would happen is they would reduce the instant sell price because that's essentially your cash out. There is no. I don't think there's any legislation or laws behind what that can be. I'm pretty sure that's a luxury to us more than a a right. Do you know what I mean? You're placing a three-year bet. Yeah. They're just being kind enough to offer you a cash out. And if that cash out goes to 2p on Jaden Sancho, although it would piss off the community and it wouldn't be in Football Index's best interest, there's fuck all you could say about it legally. I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong. It's kind of like bet three six five. Like if a goal goes in against the team and you're a big seven fold accumulator that's going to win you three million quid and their cash outs all of a sudden two quid. I mean, you can't say anything about it. It's gambling. You've just bet. Um. So like, I think they had to do it. I think it made sense that they did it. I think they put on a decent enough spread that would deter most people, but also giving people sixty percent of their money back. I don't know. People who were instant selling would be kicking themselves now unless they needed the cash, but I think there would have been a lot of people panicked. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, and the, the index and I think, I think we're, Yeah, for sure. I don't think we're out the other end yet. I think those spreads need to stay another while, to be honest. They could maybe reduce it by like a percent a day or two. I think it's too early yet to lift them because I think there would be a second wave of panic. No, I absolutely agree. Yeah, I think the, the way they are currently, obviously, like I said, it's, it's a real shame for those people who, who rely on... Uh, selling their players to get by people that had to, to to panic sell to be able to afford to to make ends meet but yeah it's a real shame but at the same time that the stability that that the index currently has and, and the fact that it hasn't crashed to, to the extent that a lot of the investment schemes have it 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 really does give you the confidence to think right well where next where am I going to invest my next bit of money instead of taking it out what are you wanting to deposit more and that's that's the incredible thing about it mm. 
I think it's a good, uh, it's a real learning learning curve or learning exercise for those people who maybe had invested more than they could afford. Because, I mean, you really shouldn't have anything you can't afford to lose or at least have tied up for a certain amount of time. Um, I'd say a few people really, really got bid on that. And that's the lesson everyone says. Don't gamble what you can't afford to lose. And ah, it would be grand. And then coronavirus or something absolutely insane happens. And then you're fucked. Yeah. So I don't think people will be making that mistake again in a hurry. Um, but yeah, thoughts are with those people. Genuinely, hope you're all doing all right, lads. Um, what was next I wanted to talk to you about? They're extending the, the media deadline to 8 o'clock from, I think it's like the 4th of April or something. Have you any thoughts? Um, Not particularly, no. I think I think often, though, you, you can pretty much... Often, I'd, I'd say that the, the, the players that are in the top five from 8 o'clock onwards... That's usually that. That's usually done. Um, I mean, I woke up today. I've been waking up quite late um, just to get through this isolation period. But by half past eleven today, it was Jaden Sancho was was streets ahead at the top of the media charts, and that's probably justify why his, his price has risen so much today. But that's it now. You, you could consider him to be uncatchable. Um, so yeah, if you want the, uh, the 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 dividends before the deadline, then yeah, it's it's great for that. But I think it just does encourage more. Um, more selling and, and buying i think once the i'm not sure if it's going to stay um when when the season does kick, kick off i don't know if it's just a temporary thing um but yeah it does encourage more uh chopping and changing on your portfolio and depositing and, and withdrawing whenever possible but i get why they've done it um it encourages more trading during the day uh but yeah i it, it doesn't make any difference to me particularly i'm not really a, a huge daytime sort of trader um, I have my premium holds and I have my holds. They're all long term, pretty much. I'm not, pre- I'm pretty much now not really doing any sort of short term trading for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I don't know if they'll keep this after the thing, after like football's back. Maybe they will, because all it does is encourage more trading. Like, what's what will yeah, be exactly. the downside of keeping it when football's on? Well, exactly. From from a football index point of view, it encourages far more trading, which is good enough for them. Which is which is essentially that it's their product; they can do whatever they like. And and if that if that's what makes them more money, makes them more commission to to pay out more dividends, and so be it. I'm I'm more for it. And what do you make about the kind of media madness style thing? I don't think they branded it media madness. Maybe they did, but the kind of five places, like what we seen last summer, the, the fourth and fifth place getting a penny each. Two questions kind of on it. One is, what do you think of it? The other is, do you think people were right to be disappointed? Uh, I like it um, because my my biggest media hold is Harry Kane. And he often finishes fourth and fifth and, and sixth and all the rest. He's usually in the top five, but very rarely in the top two. So I'm, I'm happy with it. It's extra dividends for me there during the summer, which I'm happy with. Um, I think there's a lot of, overhyping on the timeline often if you're especially if you're a big twitter user which i am you see a lot of accounts that are they get carried away with um they get carried away with with fomo and, and they're, they're all talking about this that, oh imagine if it was this everybody gets too excited but the fact that even during this financial crisis which is gonna happen which is already happening they're offering more dividends than than before it's it should be applauded it should not be criticized it's, it's bizarre to me that people they're demanding that they want double dividends to continue, but how can the products afford to to do that? The fact that they're still paying out more more dividends now, or they will be paying out more dividends when the media does come into it in, in April, uh, compared to a month ago, is unbelievable considering the 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 market currently. So yeah, I think we should 
sit back, relax, enjoy ourselves and enjoy yeah. the free money, basically. I think it's a very fair point. It's kind of like, look, in time of financial crisis, football index are doing a 10K giveaway and they're up in dividends and they're doing this and they're doing that. It's like, lads, it's incredible that they're able to do this. So yeah. Be thankful for it. Just now, the side that people put back to you there is, and I've seen it written, is I wouldn't care if it wasn't bigged up so much and I wouldn't have cared if it wasn't hyped. I'll be honest with these lads. I run a football index podcast. I get messaged all the time. I'm on Twitter all the time. I'm across all the platforms because I have to be. I didn't even know there was an announcement or like what was happening with the announcement. Now, maybe I was off the grid a couple of days because of work or something. Maybe that's why, but I don't think it was overhyped. And if it was overhyped, I don't even think it was necessarily from football index's side. It was probably from the community side. Um, Again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just happened to be off the radar a couple of days there, but um, I mean, I did see the post it saying like, here we go or something a few minutes before they made the announcement. But I mean, like, do you know, like what's wrong with getting excited about paying five places instead of three? I mean, I think that's a good announcement, but yeah, I'm, I'm impressed with it. So mm. I think we're going to keep everyone happy, grab a beer, put your feet up and enjoy yourself. And yeah, the next few months should still be bringing in a lot of free money, even when there's no football. So you can't really complain at that. Exactly. Go cut your grass and shut up. <laughs> um, the 10K giveaway we'll not really talk too much about because honestly, I don't give a fuck because I'm from Ireland and I'm excluded, <laughs> as is Northern Ireland. So yeah, I know. it's the UK. Good luck, lads. I hope you bought your 10 tenors worth of shares, but it's nothing to do with me. Like, Yeah. Uh, have you, uh, have you I, bought yours? I, I bought it, yeah. The, the draw's already been done. I've seen the guy who won the 5K earlier. Uh, let me try and find it. Let's see if it's there. Uh, yeah, I saw it earlier. The the guy was he's he admitted that he spent less than fifteen pounds and he's won five thousand off the back of it, which is unbelievable. Uh, I found him yeah. here. It's see. called is it on, is it on Mr. Wilson. Is it? Yeah, it's uh, so they tweeted an hour ago saying make sure you have your phone at the ready traders. He's replied to it saying first thing I've ever won. What a Friday! He's won five thousand pounds and it's cost him less than fifteen pounds to enter, which to me is like. I don't know how much that will mean to, 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 to that person, but just the fact that they have that sort of competition during this sort of period of time where financial worry is a big thing, it's unbelievable. Like, what a platform. It doesn't get the credit sometimes that, that it deserves, and it's it's often slagged off on endless amount of um, platforms, whether it be Twitter, Facebook, in the forum sometimes, but that could be life-changing, year-changing money to somebody, and it's just literally cost them what less than 15 quid maybe 14 13 quid unbelievable mm. do you know what it, this is me not encouraging these things but um something that i've seen a lot of people doing recently is these um in the north of ireland anyway i don't know if there's ones in england these it's called our kings up there they do these like draws for like really supercars and stuff where it's oh, like yeah, yeah. have you seen those i don't know if they've been around for ages but they've really started covering like my facebook every day um but my like cousin's boyfriend won one he literally, and it was the first time entering, he bought 25 quid's worth of tickets and he won some Mitsubishi Evo fucking something. <laughs> Even Mitsubishi, is it Subaru? I don't know. I'm not a big car guy other than, like, I'm not, do you know what I don't get, right? Explain this to me. Do you get this? Do you know these people who love, you know the really shitty wee, like, 1992 cars and, like, weird old, like, little boy racer cars? And those cars cost an absolute fortune. Like, have you seen this? Is this a craze in England as well? No, yeah, absolutely it is. You you can go twin cam and all this shit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. See, see, I'm not massively into cars. Um, I just like a car that gets from A to B. 
Um, mm. But yeah, the, the fascination of these these retro cars and everything, the amount of money that they can spend. I mean, you can, some of these cars are worth like sixty, seventy thousand pounds. You can it's buy a supercar for that. Ridiculous, because I but, see these people like driving them yeah. around, kind of like not kind of judgmentally. I'll be honest with you, and I'm kind of like. Like, why do they drive around that shit heap with their big, like, sound system and exhaust, <laughs> thinking they're classy? He's like, lads, it looks fucking horrendous. These cars are probably worth more than my house. You know? Yeah, absolutely <laughs> they are, yeah. You think about the amount of uh, Jaden Sancho's they could buy if they sold one of those. Exactly. Anyone out there, sell your twin cam, buy Jaden Sancho, you're laughing. But anyway, if anyone's listening, someone message me and explain the, the draw or, like, what it's about, I suppose, whatever you're into, like. Um, we'll go into some questions. We'll go into some questions and try and keep this short and sweet. Ross FI says, crazy story. Look forward to this one. How have you dealt with the volatility of the market recently and the lack of active trading on the market? What do you see your short? We'll go into that after. First bit, yeah. How have you dealt with the, the volatility of the market and the lack of active trading? Right. So currently I'm making zero um, in terms of uh, capital appreciation. My portfolio stayed the same now for about roughly two weeks. But the dividends are still rolling in, which is enough to to um, put food on the table and pay for the electricity bills and all the other bills. So it's still it's still generating enough cash to be able to get by. So I'm delighted with that. Um, obviously, it's a real shame for those who, who don't invest in the premium holds um, and can afford that sort of thing. But yeah, it's it's a very very volatile market at the moment. But it could be worse, and that's the way I look at it. It could be far worse, and it's not um so currently I'm, I'm about broke even over the last two weeks and I, I expect that to stay the same over the next maybe four to six weeks until football's truly back but in that time i expect dividends to continue to come in and in and uh and that cash balance is going to keep building and luckily for me that's going to help pay for my first mortgage um payment which is an outstanding thing for me um because mm. i don't have to I, I don't have to worry about work during this time of financial crisis have you bought your house yet yeah, it's um, it's it's an apartment. It's more more of an apartment. I think, obviously, you say bought my first house. You, it makes it sound a lot better. It's an apartment. It's a two. I don't know, but it's your first property. It's yeah, a, I, I, listen, I, I'm delighted. I love it. I, I was renting it before for uh, for roughly about eighteen months, and just by chance, I, I got in touch with the landlord. I was like, "Is there any chance you could sell it to me?" And he was like, uh, "No, not particularly." So I gave up on it, and then he got in touch with me two weeks later and said, "Yeah, forget it. Like, let's 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 do it. You can buy it if you want it." So I said, "Brilliant. Let's go through it." Um, and this came at a time where I'd say about 95% of my investments were in football index. And it, it was the hard, one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make is deciding who to sell. And <laughs> it was, I mean, I was sat there scratching my head, worried, sick. I was like, this is one of the hardest decisions. And in the end, I, I sold players that um, I had bought basically for the Euros. So there, there was... Musa Diaby left the portfolio, which I was gutted about because I knew he had so much more left to 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 come. Wijnaldum left the portfolio; he was worth a, a fortune to me as well. I knew he would continue to rise with Holland. Obviously, the Euros is a huge powerhouse for them. Um, all sorts of fringe players went. Um, Carvajal finally went, but yeah, it, this this came first, and it's as simple as that. Like I had to my my uh, long term aim on the index was to be able to afford a house deposit, and 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 I did, and it was amazing. It was an unbelievable feeling to be able to get that over the line, and I owe it all to to football index, and because my my profit has covered it, which has been unbelievable. And I, if somebody had told me a year ago, or just 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 less than a year ago, when when obviously I was in the red by fifteen percent, that you're gonna 
in a year's time you're going to have a, a house deposit paid for off the back of your profits i'd have laughed at them there's no way i would have believed <laughs> in it but that's the the beauty of the products and that's the amazing thing about football index is you, it never knows when when to stop and yeah you, you can be sat on these shares for years and years and they can just continue to go up in value and you can be rewarded for your patience and that's the beauty of football it makes every game of football that includes one of your players in your portfolio so much better to watch and the best thing about it is if he has a stinker you don't lose all that much money in fact you could make more money from from media look all, all <laughs> yeah. is like when, <laughs> one of the examples is when De, De Gea has a, a stinker against oh god knows i think was it burnley or somebody he had a really bad game where he, he had a howler earlier on in the season and he won media like three days in a row off the back of it. And you yeah. made money out of him having a stinker. How, how incredible is that? <laughs> exactly. Like you're praying, you buy David De Gea, you buy one of these high profile keepers and you're hoping they don't save penalties yeah, or like, exactly. they, like clatter themselves off the post or fucking yeah. get nutmegged. Like. It really is unbelievable. But that's the beauty of a football index. And, and that's mm. why I absolutely love it. In terms of like how I've dealt with the volatility of the market, like the volatility, I just kind of was, um, I was happy with it because where there's volatility, volatility, there's opportunity. So I was kind of happy with that side of it. The lack of active trading, it's helped me so much because I've said this, I think I said this on the podcast. I don't know if it was just in a conversation I had with someone, but I was definitely over trading there, like as in over the last three or four months. Um, well, excluding the last few weeks obviously i was 100 percent. i got in this shit loop of trying to almost catch every trend i was over trading massively i had absolutely no respect for like the instant sell button would use it too much would even just market sell people too quickly or too late yeah. and i was honestly just paying commissions through the roof and yeah. this has made me step back and be a lot less actively impulsive. trading yeah impulsive fomo i've had i've had, been able to really look at it and it I think my portfolio is doing well because of it. Um, and I think like the players that I would have other beforehand, I would have just sold, have came back and bounced back or risen handsomely over the last week or two. And I don't know, it's actually worked out well for me. It's just kind of helped me to control my impulses. But yeah. uh, that's my perspective. The second question is, what do you see your short, medium and long-term strategies looking like? So currently short-term, um, see, I'm not much of a short-term trader anyway. Um, I'll often look, uh, there's a lot of great accounts to follow on Twitter. I can't quite remember. I think Buzzing Paul is one of them. Uh, there's a few really, really great people to follow who uh, they put up graphs and um, fixture um, reviews and things like that, considering, so I think, it's, I'm not sure if it's Buzzing Paul. I don't know if it, I'm, I'm saying the right person here, but they will put up a team with their fixture list and then it will it will coincide with the ease in which these fixtures are. So let's say that the next six games, they're playing 15th in the league, 12th in the league, 17th in the league, 19th and 20th. Then that's where the value should come because you're expecting that team, let's say, for example, it's Bayer Leverkusen. And I'm looking at the front three thinking they're going to have a field day this month. They only have to score maybe three or four goals this month. And instantly that's in-play dividends. That's the likelihood that PB is going to be close. You look at players like Diaby's one, uh, Kai Havertz being another one. Um, I don't hold any of these players now. These are not pumps. Um, but yeah, you, you, it's things like that where it's just you just have to be better than everybody else, basically. Um, but yeah, my long-term strategy is I, I hold... Well, I only hold one premium hold now, which is Harry Kane, like a real premium hold. Unfortunately, I missed the, the Sancho rise, which stupid of me. Um, but obviously, I learned from the Pogba one as well that not all premium holds can actually be 
massively beneficial. He knows diving. I sold it a loss. Obviously, he's back up now. Um, but yeah, medium. I'd say roughly I hold. I try to hold a player for as long as possible. But there, obviously, things change. A player's value. I've I've held Kane now for best part of about ten months, and he's my highest profit in terms of um, uh, pounds and pence, but not my highest in terms of percentage. Um, but Kane will be my portfolio for the best part of, well, as long as possible, I'd expect, because he's such a good hole for dividends. He's such a great hole for cap up. He's, he's one of those players where you really can't see his value going down too much to a point where you'd start to panic and hit the sell button. So, yeah, even with this injury, he's gone up in, in a huge amount. So, yeah, that's that's basically my strategy. It's just analysing fixtures and, and seeing what's coming up next and, yeah, acting on it accordingly. I think for me, the the short term now is kind of everything's very focused towards the the premium. So I'm trying to get that portfolio balance right, where I've got enough in the dividend guys, where that there's a steady churn, a steady sort of bank balance coming in. But I also think there's a lot of very undervalued players at the lower end of the market um, who've dropped twenty, thirty, forty percent in the last few weeks. And I think I was saying this briefly on the YouTube video at live thing I did last night that I think we're at that that kind of PB bottom stage. Um, or if we're not at it, we're near it, or we've just missed it. It's kind of like people would have been waiting, and I'm sure a lot of people have been thinking of trends and this and that, and people who wanted these premium PB players or even just PB players in that kind of two to three quid bracket, and they were maybe waiting for this year's a weird one because the Euros were going to be there, so you'd maybe hold a lot of them through that kind of April, May, which is where they were kind of ditched last year, even into June. Um, so the Euro, I think a lot of people would have been thinking of players like who weren't European or didn't have the Euros, but are PB players, and they were maybe hoping to scoop and buy them really cheap in maybe May, ish, yeah. maybe yeah, start yeah, of June. Yeah. But I think that's been brought forward almost because of the lack of football over the last few weeks and the uncertainty of when football will return. Because what's going to happen is whenever football comes back, they're going to polish off these current domestic leagues. And they might have the equivalent of like a wee winter break or a wee summer break where it's like two or three weeks, but then you'll be back straight into the next season or they'll be trying to polish off European competitions as well. So I think now is almost that PB lull. And then once we get back at it, it's a weird year and we'll be PB players will be priced appropriately then until next sort of year. Does that make sense? No, absolutely it does. Yeah, absolutely it does. They're they're definitely bottoming out because, I mean, I, I hold a lot of players... I've held a lot of players with a view to the Euros that I knew would get the rises uh, because they're so much better for their countries than they are for their their, their current teams. Um, Bernardo Silva being one who I've had to sell um, to put towards the the uh, the house deposit again. Um, but yeah, there was endless amount of players that I had in, in a really long list. Uh, Perisic being another one at Bayern. Uh, he's dropped endless amounts. I think he's bound for a bounce back with the media. I don't hold him anymore. Um yeah, there's endless players that I would have expected to have a, gr- a great Euros and get the rise off the back of that. But it's the South Americans, it's the players that play in the uh, in the PB leagues that that, that that yeah would have probably bottomed out around May time when people are selling them off to buy Euros holes. But now that obviously will all change with the Euros being postponed for a year. So yeah, it's it's an interesting summer coming up, and I'm excited to see what actually happens with the PB players and 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 whether the prices are going to correct. Mm. The next question is from Trollers for Ballers. He says, do you think Bielsa Ball will work in the Premier League and who would be your top Leeds pick for PB? Uh-huh. 
I love this question. This is fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, anybody who doesn't know me, I'm absolutely hugely United fan. Um, don't miss a minute. But yeah, uh, I mean, I I hold two two Leeds players, and I have strong hopes for both of them. I don't really want to do much pumping in terms of I don't want to use this platform to pump my players at all because I, I think it's quite unethical. But um, yeah, I, I'll I'll say one that I hold and one that I don't hold um, that I think would would be decent to hold for for if Leeds did get promoted slash when Leeds get promoted. I think obviously there's been a lot of talk about Calvin Phillips's price. And about him being ridiculously overpriced, which I can completely understand um, with him being a championship player and with him being, I think he's 23, 24, something like that. But at the same time, as somebody who watches him week in, week out, I can understand the hype. And I can understand that if Leeds have a year in the Premier League and they they will probably at this, this stage make it to the, the top division, Calvin Phillips will get a lot of plaudits. He'll get a lot of attention and his price should should continue to rise. Um but yeah, uh, in terms of PB, I think I think Phillips would be great for media because I think he's he's bound to get England call ups and all the rest. Of it. I think he's as good as Declan Rice currently, um, and I think with the Euro postponement for a year, I think his chances of being in that Euro squad has just taken a really really nice uh, increased chance. But yeah, in terms of um, the most electric player that that I consider is, is Jack Harrison. He's absolutely ready for a really really strong Premier League side as it stands I could consider I say I look at players like Everett Easy who was at, at QPR and, and, and Saeed Benrahma at uh, Brentford as players that I consider him to be as good as slash better than but the thing with Jack Harrison is he's young and English which means that he will get more hype you look at players like Dwight McNeil who's got a lot of talent but he's, he's young and English and that reflects in his price same with players like Reese James and, and, and players like that Jack Harrison is he's electric. You watch him week in, week out. He's Mr. 8 out of 10 every single week. And I think if he's given the platform in the Premier League to show what he can do, his price could definitely skyrocket past the £2 level by, geez, I'd say Christmas at the earliest. Do you uh, know what I'm going to do? I'm actually going to edit the podcast to have it now where it comes in. You saying like, I'm not going to use this platform to pump because it's unethical. <laughs> Jack Harrison, two quid by Christmas, guys. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Get rid of that. Do you want me to, to re- rephrase that? No, I'm only joking. It's hilarious. Do, no, no, do you know, no, do you know something? I don't hold Calvin Phillips, but I think he's a fantastic hold. And I refuse to hold him because I've got, I wanted to buy him at 77 pence a share, and I never did. And now I look at his price and I, I, I weep. So I guess Harrison's like the next, the next hope sort of thing. But... I know from watching week in week out this this Leeds United team. It's a shame that Ben White's not on the platform, by the way, because he's he's the young English centre back that's on loan from Brighton, and he'll play for England for sure. He'll play for England. He's an outstanding little defender. Um, once he's IPO, I expect his price to, to skyrocket as well. Um, but yeah, there's there's a few players that Leeds. I think Harrison Phillips, um, Klitsch is another one that that should do pretty well PB wise. Um, and Ben White, yeah, if he IPOs, I think I expect him to be to be really good for PB as well. Very good. Well, we'll have to keep an eye on them. The um, do you think Bielsa Ball will work in the Premier League? Yes. <laughs> we'll just leave it there. We'll just say yes. <laughs> I, don't get, I don't. I don't want to get too carried away with it because obviously yeah. we're not there just yet. And this is Leeds United. This anything can happen, especially with what's going on currently. Anything can happen. Uh, we are known for bottling it later on in the season. So I'll just say yes and then have both fingers crossed at this stage. (laughs) 
Pavel, who joined me on YouTube, the, the live thing I did last night, um, Pavel, and I already said to him, I have no idea how to tackle your second name, mate, D-Z-I-E-D-Z-I-C. But Pavel, what is your biggest mistake or failed trade and what lessons did you take from it? Um, um, Actually, no, because Pogba taught me a lot about the index. Um, so I wouldn't consider him to be a mistake. I held him for all the right reasons. I held him for, for media and he, he got media, but I just didn't expect his capital appreciation to nosedive in the way that it did. I think the biggest mistake that I made was, um, I, I, I mentioned it earlier, the Angelino trade where I think I expected Angelino to sit and rot on the bench at City as third choice when I probably should have foreseen that he'd get a decent move to a side on loan, whether it be in the Premier League or abroad. I think often panic selling is, is something that I've I've learned from and, and try my best not to do as much uh, more recently. But yeah, panic selling is the, the, the big issue. Um, once your player has like a stinker and you can see that the other player that, that plays in this position coming back to full fitness. So I've held Zinchenko before as well and I, he's often compared to Mendy and you think is Mendy going to start playing the next five, six, seven, eight games in a row? Is Zinchenko going to be going to be zoned out? You never know. Like, so it, it's just about learning about when on when not to sell a player. And Angelino's the one where I look and think I should have seen that coming, and it was it was naive of me to to sell at a price when I thought he definitely has a lot more upturn in his value. So yeah, I'd say Angelino's the big the big one. Angelino. Alpha Chaser has asked, it's evident you need resilience to do well long-term on FI. Following your initial losses in your first three months, did you change your strategy or stick to what you believed in? Yes and no. Um, I saw Football Index as a long-term investment scheme, and I still do. Um, while I have a lot more fun with it now recently with the with short-term trading and having a little cash balance to play around with every so often, um, I still have my long-term investments that I considerably think will be worth far more in, let's say, a year's time or two years' time. I know that the max bet for a for an investment is three years. Whether that'll change, I'm not so sure. Um, but yeah, the, the, the key for me is just to being able to to look at what players represent the most value and then acting on it accordingly. So I think my long-term strategy will stay the same and my short-term strategy will also stay the same um just just to basically just enjoy it and not try and chase other people's success because you see it on the timeline often on on twitter people making jesus like ridiculous amounts of money in a day and trying to replicate that people are often trying to be impulsive and try and follow suit or they get on too late and all of a sudden they're they're now losing money so i think i landed in england three weeks ago um from being away and it was the day when there'd been a few positional changes and Kimmich had been moved from a right-back to a midfielder. And I saw the opportunity now that if Pavard's going to be playing right-back all next season, he could be the new Kimmich. So I invested fairly heavily into Pavard off the back of it. And then Football Index changed the position mechanism back literally about two hours later, which meant my Pavard shares were now effectively useless because he was still down as a defender. But then so was Kimmich as well, who will continue to be the big PB holder at Bayern. So it's it's about things like that as well. Just don't be drawn into into um FOMO and and people on the timeline saying this should happen you should buy this player buy this player and this is why do your own thing do your own research and just basically enjoy yourself and don't do anything that you can't afford hmm. sound advice 
the I got burnt to that fucking positional change thing as well. Or Selenia, I think I bought because yeah, yeah, yeah. I was pretty, I was pretty was alert and, and had a cash balance and bought him. And then I bought him after he rose a few pennies, but he rose another ten p for me or something. And then I put my phone away. Whatever came back, the positions had came back, and he was down like five p for me on what I'd bought. Yeah, but yeah, that that wasn't great. Colin has asked any do's or don'ts for beginners, any lessons learned. Thanks. Just we'll go for do's or don'ts for beginners because we talked about lessons there. But in terms of do's, um, always do your own research. Number one, uh, number two, do make friends, make meet people in the community that will help you because you absolutely will benefit from that. Do listen to podcasts and people's stories. Um, watch as many videos as you can. Try and understand the market as best you can because you can be naive to it. And think that you're doing all the right things and you think oh just because this player's hyped in the media it means that he's going to be worth a fortune in a few years when you can see stories like players like Rian Brewster was like halved in value I used to be a big holder in Brewster and, and learned the hard way that that doesn't always work out as well um don't um I guess yeah just don't read into the hype sometimes um I guess the beauty of football index is Every player represents his own value in different ways, whether he's a media hold or PB hold, or if, if it's an in-play dividend hold, everybody has their own value and that, that reflects in his price. Now, if you think somebody's underpriced, don't try and pump your own reasons why. Always make sure your research is spot on as well. Uh, use sites like Index Gain, watch people's uh, videos and listen to people's podcasts and their opinions and, and speak to people who've been doing this for years as well. Uh, the best sort of advice that I could give to you is, is definitely to make friends on, on Football Index and, and don't make enemies. Um, yeah. Or, or too many enemies, 100%, and, and try and stick together. And, and, yeah, remember that this is this is fun. This should be fun, and, and it's it, it really is fun if you uh, if you meet the right people and mm. invest in the right players. So the converse of do be a nice person and socialise is don't be a dick. Yeah, don't That's be a dick. Like it's as simple it. as that. It's, I you mean... Know, the, that can reflect in in real life as well. Like this is yeah, that, that should not be, be that should not be the advice to be. Don't be a dick on the timeline. Don't be a dick in the community. Just don't be a dick in general. Just be a nice mm. person. Just be and hopefully you'll be rewarded for being a decent person. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, exactly. So like on Twitter or the forum or wherever it is, just pretend you have to look the man in the eye and say it to his face whenever you write back. Because I think a lot of people are keyboard warriors and don't really think about what they what they're actually saying the other do you know i'm kind of going off on one there um no one really does this to me thankfully so it's not it's not a touchy thing for me i'm I'm pretty friendly and i think most people are pretty friendly to me but whenever you put something out there and say what do you think of this and someone comes back with a a different opinion to you (laughs) like you've literally asked for other people's opinions take it on board you might be wrong do you know i hate this you know you see these people just falling out with each other and blocking each other lads i if you're if you're not if you're playing by the rules and you're over eighteen, ninety eight percent of us are grown ass men and two percent of us are women or something based on my listeners. I mean, like, cop on. Anyway, we'll not we'll not drag this down. There's not enough negativity yeah, exactly. in the world at the minute. Stephen Reeve, as you're a full time trader, you're not at the minute too much because of the lack yeah. of activity, I suppose. But um, have you changed your strategy in the current climate? Bearing in mind that there's very little activity in the platform, so Stephen literally said exactly what i said that was his question have you you've had to change then the sort of full-time aspect yeah that that's changed and uh all the focus on what i would usually put into the index watching games back to back to back to back i could often watch four five six games in a day um which is a, a definitely a luxury it's not this is not something i'm complaining about I, i'm very fortunate to be in that position um but yeah it's uh it's definitely now got to a point where i could just sit and and wait 
and focus all my motivation and attention onto other projects that I have. So that, that also helps to pay the bills. So currently I'm literally just sitting and waiting for the football to come back, whether it be in four weeks, six weeks or even longer. Um, luckily, the index is an outstanding product and they've looked after the traders and I'm not too far down um, from the initial announcement that there would be a big delay in football. So, And I can see obviously a, a lot of money going back into the premium holds and even the, the, the PB holds today. So it's encouraging as well from a just from a casual point of view, just to see the amount of belief in the in the product as, as it is. I'm sure by the time we finish this podcast, I'm pretty sure Sancho will be creeping towards £12, which has never been done before, um, which is really exciting for the platform as a whole because the more people that invest in your big um, dividend returners, the more money that's getting put back into the platform. So, yeah, just sit back and enjoy it. Yeah. I um I agree. I think that's a nice note to leave as well. It's just kind of sit back, lads, enjoy the downtime. You don't have to check your port five times a day. To, yeah, to exactly. Just uh, sit back, enjoy the dividends if you've got premium players. If you don't, enjoy the bargains out there. Enjoy the slow rises that, well, my portfolio has been seeing. I, I hope it keeps going on to Monday when the pod goes out. But yeah, I think that's as good a place as anywhere to kind of wrap it up. Leave me a review if you've enjoyed the podcast. It makes a massive difference. And Bilo, where can people find you or where do you want to be found? By um, people? If people want to follow me on Twitter, it's Bilo L-U-F-C. It's, it's as simple as that. Leeds United fan over here. Um, my DMs are always open if people want to message me for any advice, uh, any do's and don'ts or anything. I want to go into detail into my journey, whatever. Um, yeah, I'll leave it just just literally as simple as, as saying, enjoy yourself. Don't uh, deposit too much money. Uh, don't go crazy. Don't gamble irresponsibly. And don't be a dick. It's that simple. Yeah, that's it. That could be the title of this podcast. If it wasn't, if, if maybe I could star out the I in the C. Don't be don't a dick. Be a dick. Um, <laughs> yeah, but look, thanks very much for your time, mate. And I'm sure we'll chat thanks again. Thanks very much. I've enjoyed myself. Appreciate it. All right, cheers. Bye bye.